Hi, this is Paul. Just before we get going, I'd like to announce that we have... That's right, we did it. We sold out. We sold out like bitches. Rainbows of bitches. Joking aside, though, I think Patreon's a brilliant thing. I back various podcasts, and it's a great way to help out the shows that you like. For some, it's a lifeline. For others, it's a help. Swordnet Radio is always going to be free. You'll always get the main feed for free. Sometimes, though, we'll have things that we put up in the Patreon feed just for Patreons. Because you're paying money, you might as well get something extra. But certainly when I contribute to Patreon, and I know a lot of people think the same, is that they're not looking for rewards and extra content and early access. What they're looking for is to help us out. So what we've done with our Patreon reward levels is set them at what various things cost in the city of Manchester translated into dollars. So if you want to buy us a coffee, then get in at the $3 level. Yeah, coffee's expensive in Manchester. Hipsters everywhere. If you want to buy us a beer, get in at the $4 level. If you want to buy us coffee and cake, there's a $10 level. If you want to get a round in for everyone, that's $30. At every level, you get a shout-out on the show and you'll get access to giveaways and prize draws as and when we hit various reward levels. Now, for some, Patreon is a lifeline. It pays their wages, lets them eat and warm their house and clothe their children. So if you're looking for Patreon projects to back, those are the ones to do first. For this, it's a help for us. As a listener to Sonnet Radio, you know we don't have a regular release schedule, and that's because I just don't have the time to do it. And one of the things that takes most of the time is compensating for the technology we're using, because we're doing this on the cheap, and thus it takes a lot of time to then bring that up to a decent standard, and I don't have time to then pour back into the projects. So where that money's going is the same place as that GoFundMe page. But this is a little bit easier for people to manage. It's a bit easier for people to contribute small amounts because we're only looking for small amounts. You know, if someone wants to donate $30, hey, but honestly, we're happy with a coffee. And having used the system for a long time, I'm more comfortable with it. All of the money that we raise is going to go into equipment. The biggest time drain is the fact that we record on lots of separate devices. So I want a Zoom H6 that's the same thing that God's Fall use so that we can record everyone at the same time onto the same device and it's all synced up and it's brilliant and it saves me hours and hours of processing. I also want to upgrade my laptop. At the moment, I have what was basically an abacus. It was the cheapest laptop I could afford at the time that was portable enough to bring with me to recording sessions and use as kind of a GM screen and that sort of stuff. It's so damn slow, it takes literally days. So I want to upgrade the laptop and then cut that time down from days to hours. And so I'll free up time to do more editing for a start and have a much more regular release schedule. And also that will give me more time to work on the actual content, to get the edit better, to get the music synced up better, to put more sound effects in, and generally just up our game. Once we've got the laptop and the recorder, then we want better mics and we want to start commissioning artwork and music and all sorts of stuff. Maybe even get our own goddamn website finally. So if you want to help us out, go on down to patreon.com and search for Swordnut Radio. The link will be in our show notes and it'll be on the Podbean website. You can also find it in our bio on Twitter, at Swordnet Radio. And the link is also up on the Facebook page. Anything you can give us would be absolutely fantastic. Like I said, there are other people trying to make a living out of this that deserve your money more. So if you can give to those projects, please do. Things like God's Fall, The One Shot Podcast, She's a Super Geek, and more than I have time to list. Give them a hand. And if you've got any spare change left over, you can buy us a beer. Now with all that begging out of the way, let's get on with the show. Hi, welcome to Swordnet Radio. This week's episode is a useful stick. We finally got around to doing swords. We've been struggling to find a format that wasn't just me talking about swords for two hours straight. And I think we managed to find it by asking for questions from you, the Swordnutters, on Twitter. 
I could talk about swords for days and days and days. So if you've got more questions off the back of this, please do get in touch at swordnutradio at gmail.com. That's swordnutradio at gmail.com. Or on Twitter, at swordnutradio. Or find us on Facebook. Or send a carrier pigeon. Skywriting is also accepted. So enough waffle. Let's get on with it. Hi, welcome to Swordnut Radio. Many noises because we're having coffee and we're about to play a game of noisy person cards. And I'm gonna have to take every single <laughs> fucking crunch out, you bastards! You fucking bastards! I hate you all! I hate you all! I will kill you! I would like to. Oh out god! Right don't! Now. Don't! No! The mouth noises! No! I am your only friend because I can't eat. You. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> oh! Oh, you bastard! I've been wanting to do that for so long. <laughs> okay. <I> can- <clears throat> So, before I go insane <clears throat> and kill everybody, <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, do a little uh, thing on swords and things. The reason we're just going to do a little thing rather than a whole episode and videos and stuff like that is like, because it's me. If I'm... You fucking... <laughs> oh no, my microphone fell off. I'm really sorry. It's a shambles already. I'm so sorry, Paul. And I'm already please. slightly aroused from Dave sorry, sucking his thumb. Please, please don't hit me like you do when we're at work. Be so he knows how to stop me doing that, doesn't he? He's like, you arouse me with that. <laughs> stop right now. It's foolproof. Will they go back down, please? Um... <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's in, in sword related stuff there's this picture of um, a right, from penises to phallic shaped weapons yeah there's, there was a picture of a particular throw in HEMA and I'll get a picture of it now um, that went around on Tumblr and I was someone tagged me because we have a Tumblr now um, someone tagged me and said um, sword nut please explain um, so I did explain I do know that technique um, but a throw of what a throw of a uh, well, sure. it's it's called a uh, Ringenam Schwert, uh, wrestling at the sword, ah. where you go in basically too close or too you know go in too hard, yeah, yeah. Um, and you end up um, where your your sword is kind of locked against the other person, like core a core, or uh, most likely your your both of your hands go high, and so you're sort of sat there like staring at each other like within kissing distance, and your if hands, there weren't you know like face guards in between, yeah, but then so your hands are, are, are high. Um, and pressing against, like, your forearms are pressing against each other, and you've got these long swords, two-handed weapons, and, like, if you backed off and cut, the other guy would do the same. It's like, you, you, it's just gonna end in a double kill. That, and if I, if I understand the, the, understand it correctly, the first person to back off actually have a, has a leverage disadvantage, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, because he would be overbound. Mm. Um, so, uh, what you do in this situation, is you let go of your sword. There are several things you can do, actually, but one of them is you let go of your sword and throw it behind you, essentially. Um, and uh, you... Do not down. jump! Yeah, you you, 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 uh, you bend in the middle and you headbutt the guy uh, in the stomach with all of your weight whilst grabbing his legs mm-hmm. um, sort of, uh, behind the thigh. And then as you push forward and down to, to, to take him down, you then stand up you're not trying to pick him up, but you stand up and you pivot him around his centre of gravity. Is this the picture of the uh, medieval aggressive blowjob? Yeah. yeah. And you you pull you <laughs> pull his legs. Like. And as you stand up, you pull his legs into your armpits. So he doesn't fall on his back. Falls on his head. He, he falls on his head, the, right at the back of his head, or on his neck. And it's an insta-kill. Like, it's so dangerous to do this. And that's why they did it, obviously, that they wanted to kill people. But Well... 
halfway through the technique, and and I don't know why this this is sort of illustrated slightly wrong in terms of the head position. It's amazing. <laughs> But it is See? an aggressive blowjob. It's just like when all else fails. I mean, uh, if you can't, beat I, I'd them, be very beat surprised if it killed someone. Uh, Even with plate armor, I mean, that's essentially just a a, a very a, you know a red card tip tackle in rugby. No, it happens all the time. Uh, Fall on the back of the neck or the because head. It's it's because you are specifically trying to achieve this result. You are driving them into the ground and you are trying to pivot them as fast as possible. You're not just mm. trying to bring him to the ground. You are trying to bash him in the head using your entire body, bash him in the, in the stomach, mm. using your entire body weight. I'm not saying it wouldn't hurt flip, like yeah, fuck. And I'd flip be... them over. So you're trying to achieve a very high degree of rotation here. Yeah. Do you throw um, them over your own back? No, they remain in front of you. In front of you. Right? Yeah. Like I said it's a tip tackle sort of time. Yeah. And then you, once you've got them past the horizontal, I presume you then put your body weight into driving them nope. forward onto the neck. Nope. It's all about rotational speed. You what. stand up. If, if you, if you could take, um, the, oh, so it's the, a, yeah, it's, like, it's almost like, yeah, like if you get someone in, um, uh, like m- most Jackie Chan films where he ends up like in a press up position with someone holding <laughs> his legs and they flip him over, it's that. I think our listeners at home are probably going to have problems imagining this. So, Dave, Paul, if you want to recreate it, we'll take photographs. <laughs> yeah, I'll do an artistic rendering of you in in medieval stuff. It'll look yeah. like that picture. As we were, as we were. I don't care which you know end of that I'm on. I'm I'm not doing anything well, with Paul that can be described as just, an aggressive blowjob, either receiving or giving. But just just for efficiency as well, we'd have to get into the Pancratian gear as well because um, mm. we need to discuss that later. So that is leather shorts and oil. Nope. <laughs> I know you've got the shorts. You lost me at shorts. Uh, You're so... not superior at work. I shouldn't be able to imagine that. <laughs> no. I can't take you seriously in meetings. <laughs> wear spandex in the office every fucking day. Oh, this is true. Right. No, people should people not be allowed to wear I'm spandex sorry. in the office. Yeah, we yeah, have to. But the thing rooms. is, is like, even if you're a bicyclist, and I understand apparently spandex is comfortable, put a pair of loose shorts over the fucking spandex. We Come have on. changing rooms. There is no excuse for it. Yeah. None of us need we to be able showers. to count your testicles. <laughs> I, 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 I do One. not want to know that man that well. <laughs> One. <laughs> um, well, yeah, but, you know, testicular cancer. <laughs> uh, so, 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 yes, uh, I'd explain that. So um, if people are on Tumblr and want me to explain things on there as mm. well, I have no idea how it really works. So I might end up replying and reblogging and then copying and pasting and just doing another thing anyway because I don't know how it works. So, so Surely the day after they invented that maneuver, they also invented rotisserie chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I think, this, I, think this, I think this. I think this. I think the spit roast, uh, in every sense of the word, existed long before that. Sorry, I'm a grown-up. Actually, legitimately, is this where the spiked cod piece comes from in history as a defence against this maneuver? The spiked cod piece. Um, what defence against an aggressive load? Yeah, pretty much. It's. It's no. to me. It's like. Um, that 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 thing itself is it, it, it fell, yes. falls into the realms of I don't think it was a self defense thing I think mm. it was an affectation but it's okay. things like um the, there's a there's a, there's a category of stuff that you that you can get of self defense ish items I say with inverted commas um, mm. self defense well, like a ring that's sort of all spiky and whatever or mm. um something uh, approaching a knuckle duster which quite, yeah, people think is not a knuckle duster like, like something with um, a round thing with two holes in it yeah. and there's like a spike that comes over the front of it and you're supposed to grip it in your fist and it encompasses a couple of fingers and it's all like oh it's not really a knuckle duster it's like ugh most oh of it's twaddle as well. most, it's, it's complete twaddle <clears throat> but 
um, every time someone goes, hey, look at this badass thing, I look at that and said, um, I think someone posted on Twitter today, I didn't say anything about it, but there's, there's a, a ring that you wear, which is um, sort of a plastic thing, which is um, essentially like, a large... Teardrop. That's right. It looks, Te- like yeah, a teardrop, bass, yeah. it looks like a bass guitarist pick. Yeah, mm. um, but it's, it's solid and it's there to punch people with. And I look at that and some, some people look at that and go, hey, that's something I can defend myself with. And I look at it and go, hey, that's something you can break your fingers with. Mm. It literally will do nothing to help you. Well, the point of knuckle dusters is they actually transferred the weight of the blow into the palm mm. as yeah. much as any, you know, some of them had nice spiky things and everything. But the main thing is they had rings over your fingers to protect your fingers yeah. and then a nice uh, palm piece to transfer the weight of the palm directly into your forearm, distributing the weight along so one of the a, strongest yeah. muscles. A single, like that. Yeah. The, so, yeah. It's, it's like a, a single ring with, with, with an engagement oh, ring. That's horrible. Yeah. Uh, the, the, there's like, um, Ooh, uh, the, the reason a knuckle duster is designed as it is, um, and a lot of them actually um, had something that, that would engage with the thumb as well, as, as you, not, mm. not put the thumb through, but would engage at the side of the thumb um, to stabilize it as well, because your biggest problem is it turning in the hand and coming out of the palm and all that force suddenly gets transferred into your knuckles. Yeah. And you is fucked. Um, yeah. and technically speaking. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anything that, um, that, that looks like tries to get around the design of a knuckle duster to yeah. be legal because knuckle dusters are illegal in the UK. Uh, and in fact, in a, in a lot of places, um, even in America, where yeah. you can have a gun, but you can't you can have, have a knuckle have a... duster. Mm. Well, of course, shooting someone from a distance <clears throat> is civilized, and punching them in the face is not. For fuck's sake, America. Um, but like Knuckle dusters aren't in the Constitution. Knuckle dusters are quite an elegant design. That's why they're, they're, they're a design classic. Yeah. What? I, I got, that's I got... what Jesus would have had. <laughs> and that's the important thing. I think anyway, I meant AR-14s, on. not A-47. Uh, on, the, on the HEMA note, oh, yeah. I was, I've been sort of looking at it a bit, and this is very much as someone who doesn't know much about the practicality or battlefield weaponry or the actual archaeology of it. I look and kind of see, and obviously we don't know the size of the people fitting into historical examples of armor, mm. but someone's making the point that HEMA armor always looks a bit funny and isn't particularly historically accurate because HEMA participants wear shit tons more padding under their armor than anyone in the ancient world would have because HEMA, you only wear the armor for the actual duration of the fight, whereas soldiers would be marching, they'd be charging, they'd be doing all kinds of things in armor in beforehand. HEMA. In HEMA, I would say the answer is no. In reenactment, I would say possibly. Um, and in SCA, like Behord stuff, I would say definitely. Um, <clears throat> but uh, people were smaller as well. Um, and they had sort of, uh, and they, they were trained to be a certain body type as well. And they wouldn't have, you know, this idea of all over fitness and core strength or whatever. They would just go in and do it. And they were, they were, um, Specifically with gothic armor as well, this this idea of having the wasp waist um, for guys well predates having uh, a sort of a waspish waist for women. List the corsetry and stuff. Yeah, how do you like it? It's in it's armor. You uh, don't. It is not pleasant. No one likes it. Um, so uh, there, there's there's more stuff to think about when you think about that context. In Hema, there's very few people who do armored combat um, for two reasons firstly it's fucking expensive because a hema person wants an accurate suit of armor 
not a suit of armor that's just about good enough to look or look the part. He wants an accurate suit of armor because it's important to the verisimilitude of your interpretation <clears throat> of the manuscripts. Yeah. Does your armor allow this to happen? Is there this opening? What happens here? What happens there? And if it's just something that's kind of off the peg and near enough and whatever, like, is it going to behave like real armor? Would? No. <laughs> so well, you want, poor yeah. people's armor, maybe. Inherited yeah. from grandpappy who... You know. We understand that there is error in our method, and so we wish to reduce that error as much as we can um, while, st- while staying safe. <clears throat> but the problem is staying safe. In reenactment and SCA behoard sort of stuff, um, like Battle of the Nations sort of stuff, the idea um, is to do different things. Uh, in, 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 the, uh, in reenactment, for example, it is to have a mock battle presented to the public that looks real enough but is completely safe. So there's no attacking with the point. Um, the defense is usually presented before the attack. So you say, hit my sword over here. Yeah, and I've it's, done that. It's like professional wrestling. It's like um, we, we agree a point we need to get to, but we're going to improvise up to that point. Whoa, whoa, professional wrestling isn't real. You just blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Gravedigger. Um, what? Huh? <laughs> the Undertaker. Um, <laughs> Will I show my age if I say Hulk Hogan? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he came back. He came back to. Um, I'm going to show my age. Told nonstop wrestling even further. Oh, <laughs> I need a two by four. Where's my uh, two by four? <laughs> I feel obligated to say. <laughs> oh, that was some good wrestling. Yeah, brother. <laughs> so uh, I, Randy Savage was just amazing. The guy was a force of nature. Um, so. Indeed, uh, he was scripted to be a force of nature. <laughs> <laughs> what? Ultimate Warrior changed his name to Warrior. It's amazing. Um, so, it, so in HEMA, what we're looking to do is try and find some accurate undergarments and stuff to, to um, strap it all into. I know that I, I had a suit of armor. Um, my arming jacket um, had three layers of uh, material in it, and that was it. It was very, very lightly padded. Okay. Um, and cost me two hundred fucking quid. But also, if uh, uh, we didn't, I, I didn't go for like um, having authentic trousers all the time because they were expensive and would stretch to fuck. If you got wool trousers, um, you know, wool, wool proper wool hose, it's just going to stretch to fuck underneath your arm and rip to pieces. No matter what you do, that's just it's accepted as, as being that. So to get around that, I wore uh, jodhpurs, um because the seams are in the right places and so like that, so it doesn't rub all the time. You know, rather than period accurate shoes, I just went. Do you know what? I'm not on a period accurate surface, so I will wear riding boots. And generally, stuff. Generally speaking, horse riding stuff is is good for Under Armour. Um, but those were all things that I would factor into my interpretation to say, well, this is an error I'm introducing, but for the sake of my sanity and comfort. Hmm. The play, uh, so reenactment, for example, tends to have much more accurate undergarments as well because they're looking for authenticity. And a lot of the guys who and have armor not kicking the shit out of each other. Yeah, um, and so well, they're not well, they're trying to necessarily. They might, but um, uh, but where it happens, it's an accident. Yeah, I, I, I've had a warhammer hook over the edge of my shield and get me in the elbow. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but no one intends to do it, and so it's like yeah. Uh, but they might also be demonstrating these things to the public, and every person I've ever known who's worn a suit of armor and does reenactment has done the arming of the knight show has done that kind of like this is how this works and so i get get armored um <clears throat> and but then you've got the sca and the behold stuff where it's like they're not really striving for historical accuracy and it's about beating the crap out of each other but the really important distinction there is that they are doing full contact sparring and so they need that padding to, yeah. to help and all that sort of stuff that's absolutely fine i'm not going to shit on what they're doing they're just doing a different thing to what hema is doing 
But what they do is not armoured fighting at all. Armoured fighting is about getting around the armour, not about beating it um, and and trying to concuss the person underneath it. There are techniques that do that, but by far and away, if you have an edged or pointed weapon, the armour will defeat that weapon every time. If you if you thrust someone with a spear in the chest in, with, with armour... Well, it's not going to do jack. That's the point of armour. You might push him back, maybe, <clears throat> but you will have blunted your spear or broken it. You want to go under his arms. You want to go into his groin. You want to go into the the visor. Um, you want to go under the um, under the back of the helmet, into the the back of the knees, and all that sort of stuff. The places where the armor isn't, and so get your poignard in his chainmail, nice up under the chin. Yeah, um, and people knew that at the time, and they they tried to cover those gaps with with chain. Um, but you can't do much about the groin and back of leg region or whatever. If you put chain, uh, they're called voiders. You can sew them to your armpits. Because yeah. you've got an encasing thing around it, but on your legs, like the back of your legs, you, you just can't. Your 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 leg armor will slide all around, all over the place, and you won't be able to bend your knee properly. Um, and if you can't bend your knees, you can't fight. This is I get a t-shirt made up with "Bend your goddamn knees." That's how I teach. It's like fifty times a session. Bend I your knees. Um, never do Hema. <laughs> so at the gym, no legs yeah. lock. All the time. Yeah, uh, martial so arts one hundred and one. If anyone listening is a martial artist and wants one piece of advice from a lifelong martial artist, bend your fucking knees. If that doesn't solve the problem, then ask your sensei. Ask your <laughs> I'm going to invent a style of martial arts that is reliant on having locked out knees. There is a, a style of kung fu called duck style kung fu. It's amazing. It is brilliant. I think I've found my martial art. <laughs> <laughs> it's about kicking people really, really hard in the shins. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 rule thirty five of the internet. If rule thirty four is there is porn of it. Rule thirty five is there is kung fu of it. <laughs> <laughs> so surely there's rule one of the internet. <laughs> there is porn of it. Uh, so we've cleared something up about armor there. Um, the other thing that I'll say to people who are looking at fantasy stuff and looking at fantasy um, illustrations and people who might be drawing these things, the one thing that pisses me off is like, yeah, we get over the whole female armor thing. I know it's an art style, fun, whatever. Um, I, I can even get over swords drawn with the quillens going the wrong way, curving towards the arm. Mm, I, uh, I don't like it. But I can, no, I can forgive it. And do you know what? Fine, it's a silly sword. Maybe they handle it in a certain way. It is pauldrons. The bits that go over the shoulders. <laughs> we were talking about this. We were talking the about pauldrons. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, looking at an illustration wow. of fantasy armor, the pauldrons are constructed in such a way: if that person were to raise their arms, they'd knock themselves out or decapitate <laughs> themselves. Um, spikes on armor as well. It's like, no, doesn't work. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But I no. get it. I find the Lampton worm, all that sort of stuff. I get it. But dear God, the pauldrons, the resulting in self-decapitation. <laughs> Literally, all I have to do is fake a good strong hit at your head. You'll mm. raise your arms to defend yourself. And <laughs> See, I'd say just with all, with all, I mean, there is so much <clears throat> wild variation in actual battlefield weapons that were designed for some sort of bizarre niche to counter some bizarre niche of armor and tactics. Just look at real weapons. There are billions of real functional battlefield weapons that have every cool, bizarre shape mm. you could pop. Some shapes are so weird we have no idea how the fuck they were used. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just yeah. just use real weaponry, please, dear God. There are still two forms of arrow, uh, or two forms of arrowhead, from the 14th century uh, that were used for a long time, but now nobody understands what they are for. 
and we can't find out because it was never documented. All we, we were waiting for someone to illustrate it in the past and we'll find this document or whatever. We have no idea. I could fabricate crescent, is, it for you and plant it somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah probably days. so. It's the crescent-shaped arrowhead. Yeah. Which is... Um, present, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's like a crescent-shaped or bull's horn sort of shape mm-hmm. where the, the inside curve of the crescent is the, is the sharp bit. So really? The, That's a thing? Yeah, it's really yeah. weird. I saw those in, in some sort of fantasy thing and I thought... That is the biggest bunch of horse shit I've ever seen. I can show you the finds. No, it's, it's, really? It's real, we just don't know why. Uncommon either. Well, they, they turn up every once in a while. No I mean, it would make a nasty-ass wound. But even then, I mean, it wouldn't penetrate as well as just a nice broadhead. Yeah. Well, what Bodkin if it was just for, like, aiming at Well, Bodkins eyes. make nice, neat little wounds. Yes. Bodkins are yeah. also <laughs> easy to make. True. <clears throat> it's, um, it's uh, was it four, uh, four, five, six, seven hits with a hammer and you can make a Bodkin arrow if you're good at it. I could kind of almost imagine, like, I don't know, in seafaring, like, if you wanted to fire it, the rigging for maximum nope. kind of thing. Because it or... spins. <sighs> what if you wanted to and fire it, it at, at the Kraken? <laughs> Specifically for a Kraken. Yeah, yeah, and it'd get right in one of those little funky I mean, bits. Could it be something <laughs> as idiotic as, like, um, the, the square bullets for the, for the puckle gun? What? Oh, the, yeah. The guy who invented they the puckle were... gun, I can't think of his name right now, but he designed a, a version... It was like one of the early sort of crank machine oh, yeah. guns, yeah, yeah. Mm. and he invented them with uh, square bullets, uh, but only to be fired against Muslims, Muslims because square you know to, to teach them Muslims. about the cross. Yeah, which is stupid because you can't rifle a square bullet. So no, it's just, so it, 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 and it then it might insanely hit a inaccurate. Oh, oh no, God! That, oh, that's why it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't work. I mean, they don't work. No, I think that's stupid. the most annoying thing. It's like if you can have symbology, it better be. You know, effective. There's a crazy amount of engineering that has to go into that to make that actually feasible. Like they you have to very, line it up. They were very Not committed really. to the "we will fire square bullets at Muslims" uh, idea. Square bullets to to get a square bullet to come out the muzzle of the gun just is you just have a square barrel and it's a little bit weaker, so it's got to be a bit thicker. And you but know, you have but, to but align the, the square it, of the bullet with the square of the barrel perfectly. And if you're bringing the bullet to the the barrel, it's going to miss. Well, the, the, you're thinking like in a revolver, but this oh, wasn't right. a revolver. It was a, it, it did load. It did insert the oh, pistol, see, yeah. so it didn't have no. to be perfectly aligned. Uh, Could you perfectly not just aligned. have, like, you know the Batarang? Yeah. Mm. Which I saw, there was one on the street the a, other day on my walk to work, just lying on the floor. What? Why like, did you not pick it up? I didn't no, Well, it might be a murder I didn't weapon. Know it was part of a crime. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> it's Manchester. Well, if you take it, it is what, now. What, could <laughs> you not have, like, a Christarang in the shape of a cross? Uh, well, if you watch the movie that'd Priest, that'd be so much better than a well, square. Yeah, that'd be so actually, much better. It would just be a variant of the throwing knife. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're a lot of warhammers. They are sold as throwing axes, and they've been around for fucking yonks. I think that would mm. instill fear of our Lord better than a square, 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 square bullets. That's just the problem. Is it tumbles? Not so in I this house. I don't get it. Why was shooting Muslims with square bullets a a, a any kind of a good re- idea. Why ever. was it a representation was, of the cross as well? Yeah, because it, what, 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 I, 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 I don't understand I don't the either. logic behind it's how. The only reason bullet, it makes sense there is, is nothing sensible here. <laughs> to their credit, the British Army never used them. They shot Muslims uh, with round bullets. Maybe if it was like, the, it was an engineer, so maybe it was like, oh, this is, this is to, to, to represent the cross, but it was like in cross section? Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. Just, whatsoever. Like, let's, let's well, it has square. four points, I guess. I mean, it's more of a, it's more like of a, of a, of a well, what's the German cross called? You know, the the Iron Cross, which is yeah. actually square rather than yeah. the elongated uh, crucifix, which was actually sort of you know 
More like the representation of the cross, execution, which would have been like the crosses <laughs> that you crucify people on anyway. Don't get me started. There on has that. to be some sort of logical disconnect in someone's mind, even oh, in, in the most yes. uh, uh, most accomplished engineer. If what they do for a living is start with the premise of those people over there aren't as dead as I would like them to be, <laughs> how can we solve this problem? I was like, the solution to the problem was to make a gun that wouldn't be more like likely every, to miss uh, every, them. Every You'd want weapon. the square bullets. You'd be like, yeah, we'll die from square bullets. Yeah, it's awful. We yeah, hate like, them. As well as someone, no. someone invented a thing that that, that that went a very long way, like you know, on a, like rocket propelled explosives and things. Like, went a very long way and then exploded and made made loads of people really dead. And then someone thought about that and went, well, they're not as dead as I want them to be. So maybe <laughs> if it was air detonating, like, oh god. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're now you're now. Um... Just use two. <laughs> Exemplifying the entire history of, of arms and armor. It's like, how do we kill the other guys and keep our guys from getting killed? Archaeology fact of the day. Hmm? Um, the cutting edge of technology hmm. is literally the cutting edge. We are Yay. still in the Iron Age. Although technically, hmm? we might be, maybe, in the Tungsten Age. Because oh. the, 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 the Iron Age, the Stone Age, the Bronze Age are all named after the technology that went into providing the edges on cutting weapons. Because you put your best, uh, your best technology into your weaponry. I mean, if you wanted to be anal retentive, we could say we're, we're in the carbon steel age. <laughs> Tungsten is, be- is a better cutting edge. Um, yeah, but, but I, I, I still haven't seen a tungsten edged chef knife. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> so they're all carbon steel. And I've got several in the kitchen if you want to see. Well, that, well, carbon steel that would be iron. True. Yeah. So mm. we're still in the Iron Age, or in the nuclear age. Sharp as fuck, but so oh my god, they were so brittle. But they were insane. That's like ceramic knives. They just mm-hmm. piss me off. It's like, uh, yes, I will buy a knife I cannot sharpen, and will break if I drop it. No. You can see oh, the novelty I, I, I never dropped it. It's mm-hmm. just you every see the other fucker value. who ever used them drop them. I, I, I just not have any knives. I drop everything all the time, ever. Well, my knife you can drop. <sighs> I have a nice Wustoff. I can drop my knives. Range. This is actually why feet. I never have a, a Belfast sink. Because you can't drop anything into it. Oh, you can. Breaking it. Just yeah. get an antique one that's already a bit <laughs> fucked and say, it's antique. Yeah, then, but I like you know, being able once to Once like, it becomes more antique. But <laughs> I, I, I like being able to like pick a glass up a millimeter and then drop it slightly and it not break. Oh, it's doing yes. it for hours. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> the the sink itself fine. <laughs> it's everything else. It's like Karen, like Karen comes down the <laughs> stairs and is like, "It's five a.m. Stop it! Just one more! Just one more! Tink tink!" <laughs> so, um, so you would hate my kitchen. I like you know like. Hard as nails, solid, uh, handmade terracotta tiles, which if you drop anything on them, they ex- explode. Yeah, but one yeah, of them's yeah, got paw prints an on it. Antique Belfast sink. Aww. One of his kitchen tiles has little paw prints on it. It's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> They're badger prints and somewhere doe's prints. Cool. But nice. anyway, swords, sorry. Swords, yes. <laughs> swords, woo! Have we actually answered any We will of the not mention badges. No, we haven't. So, <laughs> I, oh, this I learned about swords. I, I, it, it's amazing to me for someone who has sword, has a, more than a passing interest in swords, not a professional's interest in swords by any stretch of the imagination, but how up until maybe the past few month month or so, I have been taken in by the mythology of the samurai sword. Yeah. It's like, how many videos did I have to watch and how many books did I have to read and articles that I have to read for someone to just come out and say, you know why we don't do swords like they do in Japan and Europe? Because we have better ways of doing it and we have done since Toledo Steel. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, 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 um, the samurai sword, the folded steel thing, 
No, it's still there to provide a homogenous um, piece of metal. It's not there to provide layers. It's there for carbon migration. Um, and the idea is to get a homogenous piece of steel that you then weld to other pieces of steel and iron. And it's jacket welding. And uh, jacket welding is how you made a reasonable, not completely poor and destitute, but not very rich either, peasant's knife in uh, Europe in the same time period. Um, I've, uh, like, jacket welding, imagine, like, pattern-welded Viking swords, right? Anglo-Saxon mm. pattern-welded Viking swords mm. are technology in advance of jacket, jacket welded um, samurai swords. Um, there is nothing mystical about it. They were doing the best of what they had, and what they had was not not good to work with. The, the Tamahagane steel sounds really nice, doesn't it? It's really yeah, expensive. Yeah, I've, I've watched like a two-hour documentary of how they make the steel, and it's like... It's Tamahagane steel, yeah. Do you know what we call that? Pig iron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is It is the shitty steel that has way too much carbon in it and and bullshit and you have to get it out you know um but it was easier for them to produce it like that to produce more carbon in there and just bake it out of it um you know and, and get it out, and get the carbon reduced down in the smithing process rather than build it up um so yeah it, it just it makes no sense um, but they mythologized it they mythologized it effectively for themselves so they stopped the advance of technology because they they attached it to shinto and they attached it to the to, to their religion and mm-hmm. they had loads of religious metaphors for the purity of the sword and the purity of the that soul and all that kind of things. That goes for a lot of martial arts, though. That, I mean, um, uh, a lot of martial arts from uh, the East, for, specifically from Japan, um, but but in some cases from China as well. I know, I don't, I don't know a lot about um, things like uh, Filipino stuff and, and sort of uh, East Asian martial arts like that, but I do know about Japanese and, and Chinese arts, um, having studied quite a few of them. And um, to, to to look someone in the eye and they're teaching you Shaolin Kung Fu, literally like inverted commas Shaolin Kung Fu, and I'm sitting there going, "This is this is modern," mm. and and it doesn't work because I've I've literally just, I've come out of an I come out of an Aikido class uh, where they taught me something that doesn't quite work because I just came out before that I came out of a jujitsu class where they showed me the thing that really does work. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to find out what really really works, do Brazilian jujitsu. Yeah, <laughs> but how do I break the other yeah. man fast? But but in in the it was in the jujitsu class um, I had to just bow out of it because I I only learned how to do that properly when trying to fight squaddies, you know what I mean? Like when I was twelve, it's like you like learn learn how to break a man's arm properly. Then you go to jujitsu class and they go right, well let's do this with kid gloves. And you're like, well what? Where's Wait. the where's the fun in that? All these lovely cracking noises. Um, and then you like, go to Aikido and they go, here's how to do it without really hurting anyone. You're like, well, what is the point of that? Here's <laughs> a question for you. That's Brazilian. And then they go to a, you go to a, like, a Shaolin Kung Fu class or something and they go, here's how to do that in such a way that it'll hurt you. <laughs> here's, here's a question then. As, as a martial art, is it fundamentally broke if it is no longer being practiced as a honest to God, I am trying to kill the other person martial art technique? Yes. If as that, in, if that is a, but it depends on the context of what you're trying to achieve. In the sense well, yes, of like... Yes, uh, if you're doing it as an art form, do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, dear God. Yeah. If well, you don't, enjoy don't it, it, or if it's exercise, or if it's a spiritual discipline, knock yourself out, do do all of them. But if you want to kill someone, 
And that's your point, is it is a military martial art. Someone in the world is using it. So you want to find out what yeah. the SAS are doing, find out what the Israelis are doing, yeah. find out what the SEALs are doing, which is pretty much what the SAS are doing they and all, the Israelis are doing. They all pretty <laughs> much do the, they all pretty much do the same thing. But when, uh, when it's commercialized and brought out, yeah. people have to add more to it. Cause you imagine you're training squaddies. They are not the brightest of folks. Sorry, guys. Yeah, you know, you know, I love you, but you know, tra- but. The many thousands of squaddies that listen to Sword <laughs> So Some of them do. Uh, but um, so, there is actually someone at the moment, uh, probably right now, in an office block in what used to be Camp 7 in Dortmund, in the, uh, <laughs> in the suburb of Vamble. You can see my old house. So, um, <clears throat> and they've got to be an expat. They're uh, sat there now looking, oh God, who's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. watching me? <laughs> I, I can see you, Jeff. Wearing his little, tin, <laughs> little tinfoil hat. <laughs> oh God, you found me again! Most Germans wear tinfoil hats. It's fine. Um, Hi, so, Jeff. Uh, We're watching you. It's not necessarily that you have to be killing someone. It's that you have to be trying to fulfill the original context or the original um, intention of that art. Mm. If the original intention of that art was to kill, then that or that technique is to kill, then that's what you should be trying to do with it. However, in a modern training context, <clears throat> you have the intent, but not the action. Mm. You stop. You know, you, you do something that provides a barrier between you killing them. Yeah, you pull the punch, you... You don't break their neck. <laughs> yeah. Pad the person, pad the technique, or uh, well, protect the person, protect the technique, or protect the weapon. Yeah. Um, so you, we triangulate, we call it in HEMA. Um, we, we do all three of those uh, at different times. Yeah. So, to stop from killing each other. Yeah. Uh, although sometimes it still happens. Uh, <laughs> I've been limping for about six months now <laughs> because one of my students did the right thing. <laughs> I, tr- I tried to throw him. He fell onto my knee sideways. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, it's like I, I loved doing judo, but it, it it is a martial art, as it is an art form. It is a it's, sport. A sport. Yeah, it's a sport. You do not do. You're, you're trying to score points. You're trying to do things, and they actually sort of when new techniques infiltrate from the world of wrestling or things, they ban them because yeah. they they work really well, but they're not. So it was it was a they're sport. It was like it was like uh, yeah. you know boxing. You know boxing is not street think, fighting. Boxing is very. I think that's what the point I was trying to get. If you are doing it as a sport and you're not and it's not being used at least somewhere as a honest to god competitive. This one person, even if they're not no, trying no, to kill them, could... if they're just you know trying to like incapacitate incapacitate the other person as effectively as possible, is it broken as a martial art? Because surely mm. you get to the stage where. You're downplaying things in it that would be great because it's an art. The simulation aspect has to bow to the safety aspect. Yeah, I guess, exactly. I so guess we're talking about, you know, it's like if, if, if we're going to take martial art literal, as in its literal sense, a military martial art. The art of Mars. Yeah. yeah mm. I, I guess, yes. Otherwise, are you saying, is it a sport? Well, That's fine. If you're saying if it's a martial art in terms of the military thing, then almost nothing is a martial art other than what is currently being done. Field artillery. That's what I was saying. It's like, you know, you're, you're talking about well, good point. <clears throat> gunnery and field artillery are, are far more martial arts than you know karate ever will be. Um, well, definitely, yes. Well, but karate you do specifically. Have, but it, but even like <laughs> you know, well, karate's always been kind of broken. But it, you, there are physical combat methods that are taught by actual militaries who are actually used mainly by special forces, really, because they're the only ones that actually get close enough to employ them. My dad always called it bricky. It's the art of picking up the nearest heavy object and hitting them with it. If that happens to be their own leg, that's fine. Or another motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, th- I think it, it um, in terms of modern martial arts things like that, um, it's it's not it's not that I get shirty about people who are claiming something and saying, "Oh, this is a th- it's like with fencing, for example." Mm. Like 
sport fencing. What I do is fencing. Um because but it's, like Olympic fencing, yeah. But the difference, you know, Olympic fencing is the word fence uh, comes from defense, so the art of defense, the art of fence. Um, it's this is the same word. So um, that that I would call what I do fencing, but just long sword fencing. But Olympic fencing is yeah. no longer martial. It is a game of tag. There are it's very very sportive. It's rapier and poniard. No, it's not even rapier and poniard. It is. Um, I did it. It's rapier and poniard. No, it's not. <laughs> This That's is what this call, is what, let me rephrase that. That's what they call it. This is what irritates me so much about modern fencing, sport fencing, is that the people who teach it teach wrong things about its history, so that you think it's trying to simulate. Oh um, no, they never said that. <laughs> trying to simulate. Yeah. Well, you, 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 let, trying to let you put it together to in your head. They they call it sword fighting for a start. The mm. thing that is in your hand is not a fucking sword. If you are doing no. Olympic fencing, you are holding a car aerial attached to a really weird sort of plastic grip. That is what not I loved a about the, the pointy grip in particular is you had like two trigger finger attachments so you had just the tiniest fine control on the tip yeah and it's that's, like that's yeah. great like, you're so, never going to land any sort of force holding a, a poignard yeah. like that yeah mm. that is it is that, specifically for electronic contact yeah that is for electric tag that is what that game is and it's brilliant if you understand it as electric tag it's not sword fighting there's no. no fighting element of it. If you get too close to your opponent, you can't headbutt them and kick them in the groin, <laughs> take their weapon off them, and, would, and beat them in the face with it. I See, would, beg I would want that in I the Olympics. Totally do that. <laughs> um, I don't care. They call something a saber. Like it didn't even evolve from the military saber. It evolved no. from practice stuff and and going like uh, this is how you would practice. Well, one for... thing, it's straight. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> taking it's taking very very late already sportive styles of. Um, so sort of military saber to a more sportive, competitive sort of saber type thing, and then making that even safer, and then making that even safer. So its connection to sword fighting is so unbelievably removed, but they're still advertised as sword fighting lessons. And then you know you have like Bond movies where they pretend to actually be trying to kill each other with them. Fucking foils, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, I, I mean, be fair. I, I they just, hurt. Like. <laughs> Aha, I have, I, have, I have run you through. I must only do this another 400 times. <laughs> I was say, you'd probably be better just whipping people with them because they fucking hurt. I took yeah. one. I got one once. Somebody got banned from the club for six months for, for just walking up behind me and across my oh, ass. And I awesome. will be fair. I yelped and jumped about four feet and had a red mark on my backside for about a week. But it's 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 a thing that skirts the line between being something you would describe as being, um, you know, a, a shaped piece of metal and a wire. You know, it's it's almost a wire. So um, no, so essentially it is, it is they not. are a 1920s headmaster. Yeah. Punishing a small school child. But this, this but the same theme that <laughs> irritates it. me about this is people telling people wrong things about it. It goes into other martial arts like unarmed combat and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and saying, well, if you, if you do this, you'll get good at self-defense. No, you won't. Are you teaching people about how to spot the nutter in the room? Are you teaching people yeah. about um, de-escalation? Are you t- uh, telling people about adrenaline responses? <laughs> no, no, you're not. You're telling you're, you're showing people how to line up in a fucking row and go, ha ha, punch one, no. punch two, punch three. That like, is not proper self-defense classes, and they do exist. Teach you they to do, yeah. nose, groin, throat, keys, oh, it's thing, scratching isn't it? yeah. eyeballs, biting. That's self-defense. Well, there's stuff like Crazy Monkey and things like that where it's just like all you do is train endurance about how to put all of your body weight into a a really simple downward palm strike that you do over and over and over and over again until they ain't fucking breathing. And if someone else comes along, you do it on them until they're not moving. And you just go everywhere and go nuts. 
But, uh, but whatever method it is that is doing it, they all start with how do you spot the person who's going to cause this trouble and how do you not be in their way? Uh, yeah, or how do you just go, go to the bouncers and say, that guy over there looks like he's fucking tweaking. That is self-defense. Not being the person in the way and removing that person from the equation by normal conversation, by movement, by just not... Not not like like just not be in the guy's way so that they go after someone else. Talk to a bouncer. Go talk to someone on the street. Go to talk, go go find a policeman. That sort of stuff. Because what what you will end up doing is you'll get all these things in your head, and even if you think you're good at self defence, you'll just go, "Oh right, I avoided that situation. Okay, now go find a policeman because that situation can happen to someone else." Mm. You know what I mean? That is self defence. Herd defence. You know, um, be the protection for other people. But you don't have to go and fight people. You don't have to go dress like a fucking bat and throw metal bits around you just have to tell the fucking police or whoever else in your neighbourhood fulfills that function um, if like in New Orleans you have no effective police force Batman now it's illegal mm-hmm. in this country but the best defence weapon in the world and this has been proven by by both statistical research and uh, laboratory condition testing pepper spray mm. indiscriminate painful no training required point spray run yeah but that, and especially the stuff that has the UV ink in it, that then the police can then go and identify the attacker. But that is my main beef about all these martial arts and probably what, what I, I will always moan about in martial arts is not whether something is effective or not. It is what are they telling you it is doing? And very, very often the people who are running martial arts classes, especially the professionals who are making money out of this. Um, will be trying to big up what they're doing to accentuate the things that they're teaching you and telling you they're more useful than they are so that you come back week after week and keep plugging the money in because they need it to feed their family. And, and everyone, let's face it, you don't need any more excuse yeah. than it's fucking cool! Yeah. <laughs> exactly. If you like it's it... It's fucking fun! That is the reason to do it. I don't... I don't... Uh, I haven't spent 10 years... More than... God, more than 10 years now learning how to throw a sword around because I think it'd be useful when the zombie apocalypse happens. <laughs> I do it because I love it. Yeah. Um, because swords are fucking cool. I didn't do, um, before that, 10 years of every martial art I could get my hands on. Um, again, more than 10 years. <laughs> um, 15 years, maybe, apart from that. I started when I was eight. Um, <laughs> uh, Don't get me wrong. I'm still having my daughter. My, my, any, well, to be honest, either sex of my child doing Krav Maga. Yeah. But <laughs> I would like to learn Krav yeah. Maga. And like people who, who say, that, you know, uh, and I think the, probably the worst offender is, and to be fair, there's, there's probably martial arts instructors here going, oh, no, if you're offended, you're part of the fucking problem. Um, if you're one of the people who don't do this, then you know who you are and you're great. If you get offended by what I'm saying, you're part of the problem, quit, do the world a favour. Go be a fucking accountant. Is is whether where people say, Oh, this will give you confidence. No. No, dear God. A good appreciation of risk is far more important than confidence. <laughs> okay. It's like, I was, for, for all of our listeners out there, I was giving Paul a funny look at the beginning of that statement. Yeah. Confidence, now I get it. In a way, mm. confidence does give you a bit of a shield because you walk taller and all that sort of stuff. Is You, know, yeah. you, you seem a bit... Yeah, but to be fair... Having so much if, confidence that you walk blindly into a, a death-like situation is just yes. fucking stupid. I can't drive that 18-wheeler, yeah. but I'm confident. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, if you want confidence, you know, exercise and running and weightlifting will give you the un- a healthy confidence. Improv. Unhealthy. Improv will Improv. give you confidence. <laughs> if it's the kind of confidence that will make you walk into a knife fight with nothing. 
Do you know what? <laughs> That's the wrong kind of confidence. Oh, do, do you know what would give me the confidence to walk into a knife fight? A gun. No, not even a gun. Because you never know. Jams happen. The confidence to go into a knife fight, I would probably need field artillery and several kilometres distance. <laughs> you said jam, and my brain immediately thought the, the stuff you put onto it. What, 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 what do you no, mean, jam? This, this Why are you having space balls? Space balls is jam. Yeah. Raspberry. It's not bastard. No, he doesn't say the bastard, but he should have. Before I started doing lessons with you... Greatest uh, scene in the cinema. Yeah. When I, when I was doing... Um, before that I was, look. Yeah. Because the, the camera comes in and he goes, Raspberry. Nobody gives me raspberry. And the camera's coming in on Dark Helmet and, and, um, Colonel Sanders is right next to him. And as, as the camera comes in, Dark Helmet puts his hand on Colonel Sanders' chest to move him aside. And he looks down all confused, then looks up, looks at the camera and goes, oh, and moves out of the way. It was so good. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Uh, we watch it 400 times. Um, anyway. it, was the, it was the first VHS cassette I ever bought. Uh, what I was going to say was, uh, <laughs> before I started uh, training with you and I was going out to the just the study group out in Manchester, uh, there was a guy there who had been specialising in doing knife fighting for about 10, 15 years. And yeah. he was giving... <laughs> well, no, no, no. Kind of like the, the medieval kind of stuff with... Like, oh, dagger the, fighting. The, the dagger, dagger fighting. Dagger. I stuff. know, but you're, you're never going to take a dagger to a fight if you have anything else. No. Well, anyway, so actually, some people no, might not would. have anything else, Dave. God, I'm gonna let you finish. But yeah. <laughs> go on. There, there is a specific form of judicial combat where you're recommended uh, you could bring whatever weapons you wanted, but you're recommended to have a sword, a spear, and a poleaxe. So first move, you throw the spear. Second move, throw the poleaxe. Third move, throw the sword. And as he's battering these things away, you close, pull your dagger, and you're on him. That was beautiful. That's the first time I've ever seen a man mansplain to another man. I have literally never seen that before. <laughs> Booyah. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Also, bullshit. <laughs> Just because it's in a manuscript doesn't mean it works. Uh, it's, in, it's in two different manuscripts, so... Does, it still doesn't mean it works! It, there is a very good likelihood that it did. And I've tried it. It's, it's effective. Confusing. If they know it's going to happen, yeah, they back off. If they don't know it's going to happen, they're thinking, oh, I'll get him now. Oh, I'll get him yeah. now. Oh, I'll get him. Oh, shit. Yes, yes, but what happens? You come up again, you know, hmm... Does he have any idea that this might work? I know it works, so he might know it works. I throw away all my weapons, and he knew it works. Now I'm fucked. Yeah, it's kind of all in. <laughs> yeah. there's, another, there's another one that involves unscrewing the pommel of your sword and throwing it at him. If it works, it's brilliant. <laughs> if it doesn't, you screwed. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry, God. <sighs> and another thing. This is, kind of like, so, this is kind of like the manuscripts that showed you how to perform... Uh, you know, turn scythe fighting into a martial art. Bear in mind, we've established, that, sides, we've established that blowjobs are a good way to end a fight in this, so <laughs> it either works or it doesn't. <laughs> it depends if you're the giver or the receiver in that situation as to whether it's good. Are you saying that you wouldn't reciprocate? That's like the basic law. You selfish bitch! I don't have a dick! <laughs> <laughs> you can get one! <laughs> Come on, Cunnilingus and Fellatio are both blowjobs. Okay, if you, if you want to categorise it like that, yes, but I don't really want to end a fight with... <laughs> I was going to say, as, as opposed to other ways to end fight, which is, it usually results in one of you being dead. As a married man, I might say it's the best way to end a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I will second that. Why, why, do you have, why do you have to be married to think that's the best way to a, end a fight? In, in a relationship. You have a lot of religious listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but not too religious, otherwise that'd be, you know, Satan's work too. Although I have, I have heard the... the, the, the so anyway, it's yes. hilarious. So, I'm making a point. 
I don't think my point actually has any relevance anymore, so we'll skip on. (laughs) (laughs) We've still not done a single one of the questions. That is a good point. All right. Okay. You know what we didn't do? Uh, We really only have ten minutes now. Do we we (laughs) have set an actual time limit? Get on with it. Oh god! (laughs) (laughs) Hatred, hatred, hatred. So I will finish. Sorry, I literally was like, no, no, you won't. There there is so little good television on on at the moment that I am binging on all things historical on YouTube on a regular basis. Also blacklist. Uh, Have you? Also blacklist. Also blacklist. Oh my god, that's only fun when I watch it. Someone hasn't watched it. I think he's called Michael Cthulhu. No. Who is a chap in America? He's Irish. He lives in America, and he builds custom. Ridiculous swords for people. Yeah, so like a the, couple of guys do. Yeah, yeah so I've like, seen some of the stuff, but I'm more interested like, in people who do re recreations of historical swords. Mm. He's really Tough fun though, stuff. because he's he's really interesting Shit. the way he explains what? it, and he's got a good presence, and it's just the stuff he makes is ridiculous and it's fun. But I, let's put it this way: I watched a video where someone made a chain sword. It didn't work. Well, I was about to say say a working chainsaw, but yeah. Well, no, it it worked. It just would never work because it was a converted chainsaw. The the highest quality replica weaponry, as in definite replica of existing, like, surviving things, is Todd's stuff. Um, Stuff belonging to Todd. Um, He does amazing weaponry. Um, He doesn't do swords every once in a while because no one can afford his swords. Um, So he's lots of daggers. He does crossbows. His crossbows are exquisite. Utterly exquisite. Like, 800-pound crossbow with, like, bone and ivory inlay. You mean 800 cost or 800-pound pull? Pull. That would be stupid. Uh, It's normally £2 a pound. £2 a pound. £2 a pound. (laughs) It's what he generally goes on for for undecorated crossbows. It's about £2 a pound. Why would you want a decorated crossbow? Because they are... Insanely nice, just like I know, but I, I, I'm one of those people. I want something ugly that is designed to kill people. Oh yeah, I don't like pretty, pretty swords. It's like apparently one of the biggest companies that still makes proper Toledo steel. They use modern methods, but it is proper high carbon Toledo steel. You know, and it's all hand forged and hand finished. The vast majority of this shit is so gaudy, it's fucking awful. And I'm like. I, I want an ugly killing machine. Can I dispel your high carbon steel thing? Um, Why not? High, high carbon, high, high carbon steel, well, very high carbon steel obviously is useless, but like yes. it's it's the 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 thing there. So uh, the the steel that is used in uh, very 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 high quality swords is called En forty five. I think mm-hmm. the the standard name has changed since I knew what it was. Um, um, what's what's um, and it noise. is it is the same steel. That you use in car leaf springs, yeah, highly um, flexible and it is just hard enough to hold an edge for a bit. Common as fuck. Um, so like people go about, oh, the, the quality of the steel is like, yeah, yeah, it's really high quality steel, high quality mono steel or whatever. Yeah, it, it is very high quality, but that doesn't mean it's rare uh, or hard to get hold of or expensive. En forty five is common as shit. Um, yeah. It's just it's just a lot of work to get it into a decent sword shape, and that's what you're paying for. But okay. the actual material itself. That's that's what I figured. Yeah, because I've you know my my only experience with things like that is actually sort of perhaps even more sort of relevant to to cutting edges than sort of sword fightings because I use a lot of yeah professional grade chef's knives, some of which cost fuck tons, some so, of which have killed men. No, but they've killed a lot of fish, <laughs> <laughs> which are like men but wetter. <laughs> they smell funny, uh, you know, and and sort of the balance between. 
light enough to be easy to use, hard enough to hold an edge, but soft enough to be, you know, actually sharpenable, <laughs> you know, is a really personal balance. And it is, you know, massively. The um, first blade I ever owned yeah. was a, um, it was exactly, it was too soft, it was, it was too soft to be, to be sharpened. It just won't take an edge, but I still have it because it's sentimental, um, is, is a, a little folding knife that I stole from a market in Germany with a friend of mine. <laughs> it was like, let's nick something. Uh, let's also get knives. Right. Two birds, one stone. Um, so like as kids, like tiny kids as well, um, just go and steal these things. Then we went and bought some shurikens and as a 12, like, no, 11 year old kid, someone offered me a Kalashnikov. So, <clears throat> um, in Germany? Yeah. In the treadle marks can get <coughs> fucking nuts. Uh, you, you know what? You'd be surprised. I, I, in my lifetime, have been offered an Uzi. Yeah. Me. How come no one ever offers uh, me amazing person in the world? Kill people with. I think the this only was, thing this was ever... all, sorry, this was all based around the fact that I was talking about the fact that I'd recently bought an airsoft and I like them because you can shoot people without killing them. And they just thought, I oh, I know. Would you like to buy a, an illegal Uzi? Because that's the same thing. What am I doing wrong in my life that no one's ever walked up to me and said, excuse me, miss, would you like to buy an Uzi? You're doing something right. I've been offered one illegal firearm in my life. And it was just some sort of 44 Magnum revolver. I think it's the lack of facial hair. Possibly. <laughs> it's also you might just have better friends. Let's get to... Uh, friends with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to some questions. Questions. So. Timer. Going. Right. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, so the first one that we're going to have um, is... And from... now we know when the zombie apocalypse comes, we can take the leaf springs out of cars and turn them into swords. Except they've been heat treated in the wrong way. So uh, there was actually a guy who is a Viking reenactor who um, thought, oh, yeah, I'll do that, and actually got a leaf spring. So it starts at EN45, and then they heat treat it so that it becomes this spring. Um, so he thought, oh, I'll just get a car leaf spring. And he did that, and he just sort of like bent it back into shape or whatever, because it takes a set. Um, and he just cut out a sword shape from it, essentially, and ground it down a little bit. Um, and they called him Ivar Bendisword, was his Viking name. <laughs> and he was absolutely unbeatable ever or from, from anyone at all because whenever you hit his sword, it would just go boing and your sword would rebound at it because he was expecting it. <laughs> it was fine. But your sword would just like fly out of your hand. So basically, is, this is a martial art that everyone missed. <laughs> yeah. So very close to the Scottish martial art. Fuck you! Um, so uh, from Jay Draper... Uh, Hi, Jay. Jay, I'd like to plug his podcast called City of Steel, which is a Dresden Files RPG set in uh, Sheffield in the modern day. Sheffield! So you talking about doing Star Trek and shit. We should do yeah. Dresden yeah. Files. What's the Megatron? What's the Megatron? Or the Metatron. Or so like, it's, it's a, they said there's like, it talks about series or something and there's characters. something like a, there's something in Sheffield where there's like an entrance straight to all the like sewers and stuff like that. It's like near the middle town, I don't know. It's just a reference I, f- I feel like I don't get. But they're, they're talking about um, like roads and things and going out to the, to oh. just outside the city and stuff. And I'm thinking, I've driven on that road. And, yeah, yeah oh, that's I, cool. I have no idea what that is, though. They, they, they almost it sounds went... a bit like uh, Stephen King's It. That's where sound lives. I think they almost went to Peniston as well. Ah, Peniston. <laughs> you uh, can't call it that, but I can because I'm from there. <laughs> that's our word. Our word, you can't have it. So... Um, uh, yes, uh, everyone in America, uh, with your silly name towns, there is a place in Britain called Penis Town, but we call it Penis. There are a lot, you know, there's a town called Drunk in Wales. <laughs> so, uh, Jay asks, uh, what's the most irritating or pressing or irritating thing about sword fights as shown in films and TV? 
It's not related to sword fights in, in films and TV RPGs, but um, it goes in. So it uh, is though because when everyone to everyone to keep this in the ten minutes, it can have one thing, yeah, that, and you can't repeat. So what what is the most irritating thing for you, Billy, about sword fights in film and TV? Um, stupid swords. Uh, the reference I give is the remake of Conan because I think actually the original Conan film, his sword is. Pretty it's just a two-hand broadsword, isn't it? It's a bastard No, it's, it's the one that he... Um, it's a really short hand and a half. Like, and it's also, it has this sword. stupidly large hilt on it, and it's just all kind of like ornamental and crap. I think I, the idea is that, that the, 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 um, the, the body he gets it off is an Atlantean, and they're larger. So it's a single-handed sword for an Atlantean. Mm. Um, but it's for him, it's like a hand and a half. But nonetheless, any of these films of that kind of ilk, where they just have these ridiculously ornate swords, which again, is just... Stupid and impractical, and I made don't of like materials it. that are too soft and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, too heavy. Yeah. And... Oh, you've got a gold sword. Excellent. Um, it's useless after about thirty seconds because it's been yeah. cut in half and bent. You best end the fight in the first. Oh. Yeah, first, but, yeah. That's it. <laughs> sword fights in movies where they stand so far away from each other that no blow could result in a hit. Yeah, uh, where you can see the blocking. It's like it's just bad cinematography. Well, it's just like they're they're standing so far away from each other that you know. You'd have to be stretched from the Fantastic Four to actually even have a thrust that would come into contact with the enemy. <laughs> that uh, I, I, I can see that you're talking about sort of rapier stuff and whatever. However, in um, in, in Hema, in uh, the firstly, you always want to start a fight as far away from your opponent as possible because they want to kill you. Um, but there is a specific um, sort of what do you call it? Um, strategy or, or concept in longsword fighting called Zugfechten. It is both an absolute measure of distance um it is uh or the 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 threshold of it is um the distance by which if you were both to take a big step forward like plant your front Mm. foot take a big step forward with your back foot and strike out as far as you possibly can that the tip of your swords the tips of your swords would just about be brushing each other's thumbs so it's the maximum, the, the the maximum distance whereby, like, if something happens, you could potentially be at risk. Outside of Zufechten, if someone does something, both of you do something, nothing could possibly happen. Mm. So uh, the word Zufechten means to the fight. Okay, so as you're going to the fight, so you make all of your decisions outside of that, and you go in and you just go right. This is my strategy. I'm going in. Bam. And if it doesn't work, you get out or you do something else. Um, and once you are past Zufechten, so everything from a million miles away to this this threshold is Zufechten and then everything within that is called the Krieg the war and you'd best be doing something spectacular or you is dead um, and you will know what that distance is because it is baked into your brain you understand this distance and I, I get people to walk towards each other um, it helps if there's eye contact as well but it doesn't have to be and they walk towards each other and there is a moment see this is the threshold for us is about about um, yeah. six inches behind me, because um, that would be Silver's hand, uh, time of hand and body. Um, but the Zufetan is something like um, when you're walking down the street, right? You will walk down the street, and if uh, you you will start to feel a little bit more anxious when people cross into this sort of area in front of you. Maybe the hackles on your you know, your neck rise. Maybe sort of you, you feel a little bit tense in your stomach or across your shoulders, something like that. Just a little tiny, tiny thing that happens all the time. Like every moment of every day when you're walking through a crowded mm. place happens all the time. But when you notice it is when you're walking home at 4am. Yes, absolutely. And it is the, the exact sort point of... at which if someone uh, walking towards you with free range of motion was not to start walking around you at that point, it's um, around about um, four or five metres. Okay. Um, 
uh well if you if you aren't carrying a weapon it's about four meters uh but your mind uh your brain will adjust for people carrying things in their hands so it's further away if they're carrying a stick or something like that and you'll start to feel a little bit uncomfortable and that they will move around you at that point because you practice this every moment of every day and the reason is it's not it's not about where they are in relation to you it's about how much threat they are presenting at that particular time at zufechten both of you have to do something two choices have to be made to go in um the next the next little phase that you go through the little thing you'll you'll feel is where uh, only one of you need move for some for a contact to happen the time of hand body and foot uh, the next one is like they only need to move their their upper body and torso they can reach out and just smack you in the face the next one is where they don't even need to move their body it's the time of hand they can just hit you um and the 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 distance by which someone and could the labor. And third is a Glaswegian hello. Yeah. Well, the last the last of these stages that that actually gets quite dense as you go in. And the last of these stages, which is something that will make people instantly break out in nervous laughter in my class, it's so uncomfortable, is when you stand at the distance by which you could lay your elbow upon their chest. It is the distance by which you would only consciously let people with whom you are physically intimate. This kind of distance. That kind of distance. Hello. Hi, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had something, Dave. That was, that, that was just beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tease. That, that, was, <laughs> that was like a great romance novel. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, so those things, and, and this, con- that, uh, 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 yeah. So, so that's that's that point there. It's not necessarily bad, but it's in in, in fights in films that they don't understand that concept. But what they're doing is is poor blocking. But the, it's not that it's it's wrong necessarily. The exercise you did with that one was actually very interesting because you get you, you put someone across the other side of the room. You start walking towards them. You go uh, do you, say at which points you start to feel uncomfortable. I move a bit closer in. Say again. Say again. Say again. Their face will twitch before they say it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then you repeat the thing and you go right. This time I'm going to put on an aggressive body manner, and all of a sudden all the distances just get increased by and about then you, double. And you, then you put a sword in their hand and it gets tripled. And yeah. it's just every single step of the way your and body you put just on, um, twitches. Uh, put on yeah. a, a, a sort of submissive body posture and all that sort of stuff and you can get within killing distance yeah yeah, yeah. but I have anxiety so uh, three miles <laughs> <laughs> I can do it it's all this stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the, the next stuff like you don't tilt your head to the side because you're listening mm. you tilt your head to the side because you're showing you're not a threat yeah. you're showing a kill shot um, and so if, if someone's like uh, do you think I always wear scarves yeah so if you want to calm someone down or whatever and show them that you're listening to them and you're and you're you're understanding what they're saying you're sympathizing with them or whatever and you're tilting your head because you've, you've learned that that's a good body language thing to do you're not showing them your ear you're showing them your neck so that's what you're doing so if you're not showing them your neck just you know sort of like you know move, move aside the um the material on your jacket or something like that and just move it slightly show them a bit more your neck and that's how you know who you're talking to doesn't have a deep inset fear of vampires yeah <clears throat> I constantly I smell of garlic anyway. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the amount of garlic running around in my bloodstream. Uh, so... Oh, that chicken would have stopped a vampire. <laughs> it was amazing. Kate, irritating things about sword fights in movies and films. Historical film. inaccuracies, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Such yes. as? I'm an archaeologist, all of them. <laughs> 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 all of them ever. Yeah. Uh, ah. My fantasy is so much better. It's like, it looks a bit stupid, but at least I don't know for a yeah, fact that say, it's bullshit. I can't sit there and go, no, that was not, no, no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's your 10 minutes. We got through one question. I think it's best that I don't uh, answer what yes. irritates me about that. <laughs> uh, I just have a last one that's got to be mentioned. Sword fights that last way too fucking long. Yeah. They can do, but generally no. G- yeah. Generally no. Yeah. Uh, 
and I'll just put in there that this isn't by far and away this isn't the thing that irritates me about sword fights in films but it's the thing I notice more often than not for just about every fucking thing that's ever involved a long sword is that at some point the hero sword will be taken away and the stunt sword will be put in place and the stunt sword is a fucking handway hand and a half because it looks just about right enough but you look at it it's a different fucking sword anyway <laughs> it probably irritates you as much as it irritates me when in every movie, silence. Everyone, every writer acts like a silencer actually makes a gun silent. <laughs> <laughs> we you know, just, we discussed this at length last night. It was very, very. You know what does make a gun silent though, or Not near enough silent? It. Jamming it so far into someone's throat that their body acts as the silencer. But I didn't That'll even know it. that they were, it didn't silence <laughs> them because I just didn't know that. It's a suppressor. Yeah, it's not a silencer. Mm-hmm. Next question. Next question. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> Stay on target. Okay. Uh, Muscle up. <laughs> so Jay also said, just realised that doesn't uh, link to tabletop RPGs because I didn't request this properly in the form of that. But, but the thing so, is, that with tabletop RPGs, everyone's descriptions of what they're doing in the RPG comes from movies, and mm-hmm. it's usually the worst over-the-top movies because they're trying to make something that is visually engaging through an auditory medium so it's the most over-the-top bullshit they've ever seen in a movie which is just ridiculous yep. mm-hmm. if you want to hear an accurate and, and i tried to i had a mission statement of this i tried to do this um where i guested on how we roll podcast uh when they played D um for when is I this guested, your halfling with the nope uh what that was how to be completely ridiculous with a sword but things that would sort of work but were slightly mm. over the top um, that was that was a gnome with a two-handed sword, not a two-handed sword for a gnome, a two-handed sword. It was twice the size of him, and there was no chance he could ever use it actually as a sword. So it was how do you use this object and do things, um, and so that was insane, and that was a lot of fun. But the one I did with the other group because it was two stories in parallel mm. when I was a drill sergeant was a sword and buckler. I wasn't there. Um, <clears throat> uh, Keeps looking at me. That's the only reason I said I wasn't there. <laughs> um, and um so you with the sword and buckler, a single handed sword and a buckler. And there are there is there's one uh, combat scene in it right at the end where like I go outside and I go, My intention was to sacrifice the character, but it was like, Oh no, we need you for another like twenty minutes so like yeah. uh, dive back into the building thing. And I was just uh and I rolled really high. I rolled a crit and it just was like I think it was a skill challenge as well, so I could just do what I wanted. Um so I rolled really high, skill challenge, get the sword and buckler out, and I described how I would take apart multiple apart, uh, opponents with a sword and buckler but how I would do it um, within the context of what was going on and someone had weapons and someone didn't all that sort of stuff and every single technique in that I had thought out in my head I'd already thought out well in advance of that a sequence of moves I could do and bring to bring to light and it is all, it's all about using the buckler using the sword using your head using your legs using you know, uh, your elbows everything like that moving back moving forward you know moving around people you know keep cutting keep slashing smacking people whatever works and every technique in that is something that i've learned in hema if you want to hear that go to howwerollpodcast.com indeed <laughs> and listen to it is the D sessions what was the name of the campaign oh, fuck knows. did we have one the, the there story. is one. I don't listen to my yeah. own podcast. I just edit the video and post it on YouTube. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's the episodes where I'm speaking in a very, very bad uh, Northern Irish accent and insulting people all the time. <clears throat> Rather than the one where I'm... Uh, so it's... Um, yeah, Private Space Waste. Best part of you, dribble down your mother's leg. Um, that was nowhere near the things so I haven't practiced that accent. But uh, not the one where I'm going, Hey, help! Yes. How are you doing? <laughs> Anyway. Which is actually how he used to talk. Next so, question. Next question. 
Right. <clears throat> um, uh, that's one that was actually Jay's repeated his thing in a different way that makes it more relevant, so we're not going to answer that one because that's more relevant. Um, <clears throat> how would you approach combat with varying swords and styles? Uh, for example, rapier versus longsword or small sword versus broadsword, etc. Um, if you wanted to make that interesting, my short answer is in 5e, it's done. Because combat is, in all RPGs, combat is abstracted out. So your chance to hit uh, with a rapier versus chance to hit with a longsword is the same, if, assuming you have the same proficiencies. And it doesn't mean that you're using a rapier in the same way that you would use a longsword. If you're using no. a longsword, you're, you're covering the line and going in and then sort of overbinding yeah. and doing various things. If you're using a rapier, then uh, you might be finding the sword on the way in or, or gaining the sword on the way in, and then you might use a bit of an offset, and then you you know, go around the sword and, yeah. and just close off angles like that. But you're not trying to use the rapier like a longsword. So, no, not at all. Yeah, um, and you assume that if you're fighting different weapon styles, uh, different weapons, then you understand how to do that. Yeah, interestingly, like, the rapier versus longsword. I specifically, I have done this. I teach both both styles. The rapier versus longsword is interesting because the rapier is much quicker. The longsword is much more damaging, but still very quick, really quick. Um, the weight difference between the two is not large. Um, you know, you're talking maybe half a kilo in it. Um, <clears throat> for, half a kilo is significant when you're talking swords. Yeah, half, half, but then uh, you, the one that's slightly heavier you're wielding with two hands yeah, the one that's well, slightly lighter you're wielding with one okay. now I have seen this happen I have done this now the rapier uh, you, you have to be much more considered you have to let the, pers- the other person come to you and you simply force them to attack in certain ways this is something called invitation which no one ever covers in RPGs no, or people who don't understand sword, sword play really intimately don't get this and it's so cool to invite someone uh, and that is saying, I'm going to do this, these, throw these sorts of shapes so that you attack in a particular way, which is exactly the way I want you to, so that I can counter that technique. Um, so uh, the very crude way of doing it is to, is to sort of like stick your elbow out of guard or something like that, or put your hands a bit further forward and go, come on, come on. Um, much better way of doing it is is to position yourself in such a way that they have to move, and as they move, you do a particular thing, which means to keep themselves alive, they must do a particular thing in response so that you do the counter to that. That's rapier fighting, counter to counter to counter to counter. Um, <clears throat> it's called cavazione, uh, if, you, if you're interested. In this. And the... Um, and, and so so you would, you, would, you would invite the longsworder to come in and make a cut... Um, and you would probably defend yourself weakly or something, or you back off, whatever, and you, you're encouraging them to do something slightly ill-advised, to chase you a little bit too much, because people do that, to overcook it slightly. We're not talking about going, and throwing a big sword and going, I have to follow through with this big cut because it's so heavy, but just to overcook it slightly so you can come in, sword point into the forearm, disable the arm, comes out, up into the throat. Yeah. Um, and by allowing people... A, a freedom to describe the actions that are going on and say you're allowed to do more than one thing it's just this is the result yeah. you can have one result per round oh, yeah. or per attack but you can do more than one movement so if you have a long sword and you've got three attacks per round or whatever well you've got six seconds you can probably fit about 12 different attacks into that yeah. there's no reason you can't go well um I, I roll to hit, and so I, th- I swing my sword at him, and oh, but I it miss. Has, it's, it's more, uh, we fence for a while. We're sort of getting the measure of each other. But specifically for RPGs, there's a very important po- point there. 
have it's really bad and it drives me nuts when people do this have people say i'm going to attack roll the dice first roll the die first <laughs> then describe the action the number of times people says i attack and i do this and i do this and i do this then they roll the dice to see if it succeeds no yep because the sequence of events will be completely different depending upon the roll of the dice if you yep. roll a crit you're fucking Jackie Chan with a sword. You know, you are the martial artist of martial artists. Or you're lucky. Yeah. Or you're lucky, or it goes amazing, or whatever. However you want to or flavor. Or your opponent screws it up. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to come from you. However you want to flavor that. But you always need to be rolling the dice first. Someone else's sword falls out the sky. <laughs> yeah, and then describe <coughs> what happens. You know, if you are... Uh, a, a dinky wizard with a knife up against, you know, a master swordsman and you roll really well, it'll be a he, you know, didn't notice a rock on the floor and stumbles and he just falls in front of me and I just stab him in the back lots of times because yeah. I don't know what I'm doing with a sword because I'm a wizard and I can stabby stabby and I just get lucky and that's the situation that allows me to do that. If you're the master swordsman and there's the ogre, you have to describe where you're hitting. But that that's the most important thing to me about situations like that is you roll the dice and describe the result narratively and if you've watched a lot of sword fighting in by pros or watched a lot about swords it just mm. makes your role play that much better now uh, obviously i teach single combat rather than massed combat and this that's different but to the, be fair the thing I... all rpg combat single combat you don't because yeah. the, the the melee the movie melee never happens in real that life that is that is formation fighting or one-on-one -on -one. i would like to address in this point <laughs> is that you're doing you're, you're you're seeing if someone is damaged and then seeing how much they are damaged you are not necessarily necessarily saying if you hit them and you cause this damage with your weapon i always tell my students first thing when you go into sparring remember this is a sword fight that means it's a, it's a fight where you happen to be holding a sword you don't have to end it with the sword you don't have to end it with yours you don't have to do that you, you can you can if it's within the rules, you can pick up the nearest chair and brain them with it, or whatever, or get them to fall over and break the neck, or whatever. That that's fine. That's okay. Um, there's also the the Welsh martial art of clap goch, which involves having fourteen of your friends pile onto them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so naked with raging erections. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Can't be bothered with that. <laughs> with a pint in one hand and is rear that, bit in the other. No that, funny is that business not just going like here. a Saturday night in Wales? Swansea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It mumbles mile. Um so uh when the farmers come to town. How about this? Just to, to open open up the, the possibilities and as the GM you would have to just be like, Yeah, we'll rule of cool this and we'll go you do understand that this doesn't actually take up your reaction or whatever. It's like, Okay, I'm uh, like I'm the bard who can't really fight or whatever, but I roll a crit. Like Am I just going to pull out something amazing in character, or whatever? Like, but that breaks my character, breaks character. Mm. I, so I've got my rapier. I don't really know what to do with it. I'm not like, ah, and so I'm backing off, backing off, <clears throat> and I fall over. And the guy hesitates for a second and then goes in, going, aha, I've got you easily. And he completely lowers his guard. And my friend, the barbarian over there, just turns around, spins around, and cuts his, cuts his head off with an axe without ah, breaking stride. Yeah. To be fair, it's not something I've considered. Yeah. You don't roll for the, the, the damage of the axe. You roll for the damage of the rapier or whatever. But like, you, the, the GM has told you, you rolled a crit, you, you yeah. rolled enough damage to kill him. Tell me how it happens. It doesn't have to be you. And like, someone's, um, st uh, like, sword falling out of the sky. Why the fuck not? Why, or, you know, not? it's like, you, you, if you don't know what you're doing with the rapier, you, you back off, sort of making some sort of nonsensical and elaborate weaving of the, of the <laughs> rapier 
to try and scare him off. He's not fooled. He steps forward, but you've distracted enough to where you can take the rapier, flip a chair, flip a stool under his feet. He falls forward, smacks his head on the nearest table, and you laugh at him and run away. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, if you're Owen, you take a piss in his face. My, po- my opponent <laughs> approaches me so, uh, sort of safe in the knowledge uh, in my helplessness and that I have an easy kill. He uh, draws back his sword and then his eyes glass over as he's hit by a descending turtle dropped by an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, if you're a cleric, that would be amazing. You can just mm. have nature cleric or something. You just have bizarre animals coming in. Like... And then you have the, the continuing the adventures of Oliver the turtle. Yes. I kind of like actually saying that. I kind of like the idea of them approaching me. You know, you you tell this whole thing. You've tripped over you on the ground. You 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 fumbled your weapon. They're hovering over you, and at that very moment, they suddenly have a cardiac arrest and fall over dead at your feet. And it's just like, oh right, okay. You tell the joke from Monty Python that stops that kills at three hundred paces. Yeah. The weaponized joke. <laughs> now. Please discuss the more ridiculous Mine of these. Had yes, please discuss the more ridiculous of these options with your party so as to not piss everyone off and make them want to kill you IRL. Yeah. But if they're all game for it, yeah, knock it. yourselves yeah. out. Um specifically, uh let's let's go into this because you asked. This is uh from um uh Stuart McQueen, this question is is how you approach combat with different styles. Um <clears throat> so rapier versus longsword. I would do the unexpected, and I would because I'm not the sort of person who waits very much. I like to. I'm quite German. Um, sword fighting is is about taking the initiative, and that's where I cut my teeth. So the I'm, best defense is a good offense. Very much so. Um, threaten with defense, defend with threat, and uh, I, what I would do is actually close very close. I would do the unexpected. And maybe maybe back off a little bit, back off a little bit, get them feeling confident, and then I would charge right in, and I would half sword the rapier. I grab the blade of the rapier and use that to deflect to offset my opponent's weapon, um, move his guard out of the way and stab him into the you know into whatever opening um, came around. Rapier is really sharp, generally yeah. speaking. So you'd need some sort of glove. Yeah, I I I wouldn't imagine not wearing a glove. Uh, but also, um, if if a sword can't be drawn through your hand, it can't cut you. Um, curved swords already have a natural draw to them, so they will cut you. But a straight a straight blade. Um, if you've got enough friction on it, isn't going to cut you. I have pulled a adult man out of a chair, grasping with him holding the hilt and me holding the blade of a sharp falchion, with no glove. Okay, one, you're stupid. No two, stars. I'm surprised. <laughs> <It's>, the way <laughs> I believe you. The, the, the way I imagine you're dis- the way I'm, I imagine you're <laughs> describing that is you take a firm grip of the sword no. like this. The way I'm imagining it is you take a firm grip of the sword <laughs> like this. Like pink, pinky out. Flat the blade, finger and finger. So yeah. he's gr- he's grabbing the sword with the whooshy finger hold. See, all, <laughs> all of my experiences as a chef knife which are probably more analogous to rapiers because all of them have a curved blade. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that's that's actually making me cringe right now just thinking of grasping a, bl- a sharp blade. Have you, have, you, have you done the thing of like how to test the edge of a blade properly with your finger? You don't run your, your, your thumb along it. You put your thumb on the back of the sword. It. No. Because that doesn't tell you how uh, what the quality is of, the, of that edge. Um, you put your uh, thumb on the, the back of the blade so you like edge up. You close your eyes, and as soft as you possibly can, you put your fingertips onto the top of the uh, the blade. There's no pressure whatsoever, and you run it along. And now, previously, things that you thought were sharp as fuck and whatever, but have been sharpened like with one of those like desktop sharpener things, you just roll it through, which are horrid. 
um, just a bit. Yeah, that, that you'll you'll feel the edge deviating from the straight. Okay, it'll be like going left and right and going left and right. Um, it'll feel almost serrated. Um, but something that's been sharpened really well will feel smooth and straight all the way along. I was going to say, none. You couldn't unless a knife of mine is relatively dull. You you couldn't I, do that with any of my knives properly. I sharpened. have done that on knives that could cut god. Uh, swords that could, could okay, cut fair through, enough. But I, 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 you know, when I sharpen a knife properly, which I almost never do because it's a bit pointless for a shet knife, <clears> you can shave with it. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I, I do that to test the edges of my chisels and things like that. It's, it's okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, so, but that is the way to do it. But uh, you, 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 you practice squeamish on, about the edges of you your practice on a dull I, knife first. <laughs> but the, the, the secret is the secret is never, ever, ever to put any pressure. Even just you're, you're even supporting the weight of your fingers and not letting them rest on the blade. Um, so, but doing it with your eyes closed means you're connecting more with the uh, with the, the effort that you're I'll making. Take your word for it. I'm not trying that. <laughs> uh, it's, it is much easier with your eyes closed. So anyway, uh, small sword versus broadsword. You've used the term broadsword correctly. Well done, Stuart. Uh, the broadsword is is not um, the single-handed cruciform sword. The broadsword is the larger, complex-hilted blade to differentiate from the small sword in the 17th and 18th centuries. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the small okay. sword being a dueling blade, uh, it was often said the small sword was the call of honour and the broadsword was the call of duty. Um, <clears throat> so the military versus the Which dueling. small sword? I mean, it's probably, we're talking, probably completely... In Pirates cr- of the Caribbean... Uh, which is a wonderfully historically accurate uh, film. In Pirates of the Caribbean, um, the the sword that is the, the first film, the sword that is presented to uh, that officer, you know, he's, he's making a sword mm. and he presents yeah. it. That, yeah, that is a small sword. Yeah. Okay, pointy, shortish. It's not actually that short, but it's, well, it's, it's relatively dress, short. It's an officer's <clears throat> dress sword. Yeah, officer's dress sword, but it is still quite deadly. Um, and a broadsword would be things like a cutlass or a saber, that sort of stuff. Yeah, a saber <coughs> would be a. Sabre would be a broadsword. Cutlass would be a broadsword. Cutlass would be a broadsword. Sabre would also be a broadsword because it's broad in comparison to the small sword. Okay. Okay. Um, also, um, the the claymore of the Scottish Guards, you know, the sort of really big, beefy basket hilt, that, that's a broadsword. Yeah, the, um, the hacky slashy. As opposed to hacky a slashy sword. killy. Yeah. So, um, well, where were things like, I mean, again, we're talking about probably completely cross eras, but where were things like gladiuses come in? Uh, gladius, uh, gladii, gladiuses uh, were uh, Roman. The the small sword versus broadsword. There is really. <laughs> That's why I said it's probably cross oh, era. Where, say, yeah. where would they? Oh yeah, uh, come into that. I'll, I'll, that I'll, I'll get broadsword long. They would come short into sword. short sword. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, they're they're very short. Um, really yeah, but short. they're also very designed for killing and nothing else. Yeah, they also don't have any hand protection. And what makes a broadsword really is hand protection. Um, <clears throat> so. Uh, a small sword versus broadsword. There is actually a really, really good, well put together small sword versus broadsword fight in Rob Roy. It's a really well done fight. Is that the the duel at the end where he grabs the sword and ends up just hacking him to death? Yes, uh, and they're both absolutely knackered all the way through it. Um, it's um, done by the same person who did the, the the fights in Star Wars and stuff, which Ooh. aren't great. But what about the sword the sword fighting in? Fuck, I'm going to forget the movie. Oh, the Duelists. Duelists. The Duelists. Yeah. The Duelists is really good. Um, That's like when I when I when I think about great sword cinematography, that is the film I, I yeah. think of. The Duelists. The Duelists so, is really good. Um, but again, they're, they're sort of you have to act. You have to arrange it within the confines of what your actors are capable of, hmm. uh, and how much training time they've got. Um, but yeah, um, well, since it? they're both officers who are more interested in in whoring and drinking than soldiering, I've probably s- relatively. I've seen- <laughs> I haven't seen the, the entire films of each one, but I've seen the fights from them. 
Yeah, same here. Yeah, but the one <laughs> in Ro- the one in Rob Roy yeah. impressed me far more than the ones in, in the Duelist. It's the same fight choreographer, but um, I never made it that far. It's right at the end, but it's worth but it. I can't, I can't make it through that film. You just, you know, you just fast forward and go to the end. Yes, this, um, this, there are some very disturbing scenes. In yes, yes, so, there are. Uh, and uh, sort of leading from that, and I think they wanted maybe some crunch to that, but um, we have a crunch is crunch. <laughs> yeah, if you want to start really breaking down between different weapons, the the thing that I would say to you is, is yeah, um, different things versus different things. Assume that that is mathed out and that. It's all in the, it's all in how you approach it in the fluff. It's how you describe it, and that is the most interesting thing. Um, but, well, I, I think you're missing a point there. Is is if 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 this is a crunch game and you are going to have lo- sort of like an accurate crunch to your game, you are not going to have styles of fighting that in reality were differentiated by several hundred years in the same setting. True, ever because <clears throat> there is an evolution to those. Those, those, those sword fighting techniques and those weaponry evolved for a reason and they almost never clashed unless you want to set up something like a crusade situation where almost, you know, completely separate cultures are, are actually at war yeah. with each other. And so completely <clears throat> schools of fighting that evolved completely separately suddenly clash. Yeah for a bizarre reason. Although my, my crunch answer to this question goes into the next question, which is by um, Wizard on the Wind. Uh, so, hello, Kai. Wizard on the Wind is an amazing podcast. Listen to it. It's fucking brilliant. Um, most people, when they do D&D things, it's about, you leave home and it's, you left the land of your father's, whatever, you're, you're going off and adventuring. It's like, they are staying where they're like, they are unusual because everyone goes off as a rite of passage. Everyone leaves the village. These people miss that opportunity. But the shit's happening in the village, and people they know are dying, and it's it's brilliant. Um, you can Yeesh. also you can also go on to the like it's like then to talking to people. It's like oh that, that's your mother, right? Okay, that's your, yeah, that's your th- best that would be a little bit too real for my liking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they still manage to keep it fairly light, but um, it's uh, it's really it's really good. Let's um, RP living in Syria right now, and they you. recorded a year's worth of sessions before starting to publish the thing. Yeah, that 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 that's intelligent. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that. I, I just just the, the commitment to that, just like to, to see that in the future is great. And they are they're like the the level of production is up there with God's fall. So um, uh, so Kai uh, asked us. Uh, how could or should you vary stats for the same kind of sword based on quality and craftsmanship? So to tie into the last one, the way in which I would make crunch about, you know, you're using different sorts of weaponry or whatever is I would make it about the durability of those weapons. Mm. And in the material, I would put a material damage onto those weapons. So if you're fighting or whatever, um, you've got something that's, that's very sort of big and beefy, like a long sword or a back sword, like a broad sword, that they are war weapons. I'll just separate them into civilian and war weapons. A war weapon has to last through a battle. It doesn't have to last through many battles, but it has to last through at least one because the chances are you're going to have to fight your way out with that. It's going to have to survive fighting against different weapons. It's going to have to survive fighting against armor. It's going to yeah. have to survive fighting against um, the environment as well. You can have rocks around you. You're going to have you know trees or whatever the fuck, or you know horses and all that sort of... It's going to have to encounter a lot of different things, and it's going to have to be durable enough to go to the next battle if it's not broken. Yeah. With a civilian weapon... Like a Kriegsmesser. Yeah. With a civilian weapon, like a, a small sword or a rapier... Or just a messer. Yeah. All it has to do is survive one encounter. Un fight. Yeah, because you're not probably going to get into more than one fight in a day unless you've arranged it that way. 
Um, you're going to primarily carry these things as affectations or as, as status symbols, and they are not. De- a rapier is not designed to fight anything else other than Another a rapier, rapier or something and like it. Even most rapiers, particularly the, the really fancy ones with the with the enormously elaborate basket hilts actually had the, the hilts were detachable you'd replace the blade on a regular basis because the blades would get fucked mm. but obviously all the encrusted and gilt and stuff that you had mm. built into the basket handle uh, you, you didn't want to be replacing that yeah the, the, so that was are, the durable bit of the weapon there are um some fencing masters who do do talk about mismatched weapons um specifically um uh i can't remember if it's paulus hector meyer or if it's um joachim meyer but one of those uh, does talk about um uh, I really don't like rapiers because they're silly Italian nonsense, but here's what to do if you find yourself fighting against one. And it just, it doesn't say, you know how to use a longsword from all of this treatise. Here's how you use it against a rapier. It's like, you might find yourself fighting against an Italian. Here's how to fight using a rapier because you might need to if you fight an Italian. They're assuming that you're coming together to arrange this fight and that the weapons have been chosen. The weapons are matched. Okay. Um, so it has less durability because it doesn't need it. These civilian weapons. All right. Um, but you absolutely did need it to be much beefier. So you would have something that is, um, always ticking down. Whether or not you're successful in a fight, yeah? Um, then there's, a, there must be some sort of mechanic to chart the damage to your weapon. If it's got a military weapon, it's a military weapon, it's gonna last. I, th- I think the matched weapon thing is something to expand on because I, I jokingly was going on holiday with some friends and somebody insulted me and I went, Oh, I, I challenged you to a duel. Uh, and we went, Yeah, all right, we'll do it while we're on holiday. It'll be a laugh. Uh, so I said, do you want pistols or swords? And he went, oh, I'll have pistols. Two swords, two swords, two swords. Well, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. So he went, oh, no, I'll go for pistols. And he just automatically assumed, because I was doing fencing at the time, that therefore I would go for the sword so he'd get to shoot at me before I get to stab at him. It's and matched it, weapons. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he just he just was completely and utterly unaware of Has he the ever fact. heard, like, bringing a knife to a gunfight? If yeah, the other no. guy has a gun, you need a gun. So so, so when I kind of, like, so we did it with Nerf guns, and it was all just a bit of fun. But but when I pulled one out, I was, I was like, no, you're supposed to be using a sword. I was like, no. But the thing was, there was at least another, like, four or five other people who were on the holiday with us who were like, oh, yeah, you just pick whichever one, whichever one you prefer. And I'm like, no. The, the, you pick the weapon for the fight. Some, someone picks one, and you both agree on it, and you both use the same thing. Otherwise, you pick the one you prefer. Yeah, that's, that's it's field artillery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's trench warfare. So it's but just, even within within like normal settings, like if you're going up against you know endless guys in plate armor, you you know you go to your weapons chest and you take out the mace or the warhammer. If crossbow. you're going against yeah, and the crossbow. If you're going against a bunch of you know, lightly armed peasants, you take the sword. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, you take your own lightly armed peasants. <laughs> 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 you, you just throw them at them. Cannon fodder! <laughs> oh! uh, there was a rule in uh, first and second edition D&D where if you reached level five as a fighter, you were a lord. That was your title. And you got the, the opportunity to have five retainers or something. I think you, you chose that uh, option in um Well, in sort of. The, death house. It, it, the difference is in... In uh, 5e, your retainers are only... They're non-combatant. They're totally non-combatant. They're, they're non-functional. They keep you primped and proper, and they keep your horse all nicely yeah, you, you so brushed. Or your war, or your war pig if you're a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, Except... But yeah, that, that's, so how, that's how I would approach that. I am that. a noble dwarf, so my, my dwarf has a German accent and only slips into the Scottish when he's fucking pissed off. <laughs> Stop advertising. Uh, we've advertised <laughs> how, how we roll enough. Um, so Sorry. how would we vary the stats of the same kind of sword based on quality and craftsmanship? You wouldn't. Um, 5e already has that kind of like the, the, the 
plus well, one for a masterwork. Well, well with D and D, it's it's magic and all that shit. Well, they they have the masterwork stuff where it's like if it's really Do really they? well made, it gives you that extra. I think edge, the only way but... you really need to vary that is if it's just a, a, a usable sword, then it's what the stats in the book are. If it's something special because you found it in a magical chest, then you add it some pluses on it. If it's something you found in a cave that's been rusting for the mm. last 20 years, then you knock a couple of points off it and say, oh, it might, might the break or something. I would do that. Well, is that say about it, if, if, as a GM, if I'm going to yeah. give, then I can just give. If I'm going to take, I have to give as well. Yeah. But the way I would do exactly that thing is I wouldn't give bonuses for something being a masterwork or whatever. Maybe that plus one to hit. Eh, okay, yeah, fine. because it's yeah. a better balance to some such shit. You assume that most swords are okay, mm. uh, so they fit into that that general category. But what I would do is, is I would say you get the choice of this being a bullshit, you know, railway sleeper of a sword. So you get a minus two to hit, but you get a plus four to damage. Because it's a great big lump. Yeah, it's really, really ill-balanced, but, you know, it'll go in and it might not cut butter, but it will shatter the table it's on, you know what I mean? So, um, if you're going to take something away, give something back for crap stuff. Mm. Because what we've, I think what we've found from all of our role-playing is that things being good and awesome and optimal and great is, is okay, but then you forget about it. Things being crap is always entertaining. Mm. Stuff breaking and, and, uh, having flaws and yeah. working with limitations and and always compensating for this piece of shit thing you've got is brilliant. If it's just the case of like I have a gun that always jams, like well that's not interesting. But it's like I have this thing that um I have to pray to it or this or like it's talking back oh, at me now. Yeah, forty k plasma pistol is a perfect example. I would I would love kills everything. <clears throat> Unless it overheats, in which case you. it's a grenade. <laughs> uh, I would, I would love to have in 40k, like pray to the machine spirit, like I always do, to the the, the, the guns or whatever, and then one of them talks back. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you mean? You, you you don't you don't like firing bullets? It's like, <laughs> like I've got a sore throat this week. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad that I actually know which bit of a pistol's a throat. And just like, or do the technical knock or something, that, which is a thing that the, the tech priest can do, is instead of having to work through a jam, they just like smack it and it works. Um, and so you do the technical knock and it goes, oh, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, just for now. Buy me dinner first. You don't, no, need, you don't need to know my safe word. I think, I think the most disturbing one is if, no, if you, you smack it, if you smack it to fix it and it just goes, harder oh, daddy. <laughs> oh, daddy. Oh, 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 Sploosh. <laughs> Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> no, every time you reload it. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another? <laughs> um, so, but if you if you really might, I was just gonna say, just as, just as an easy, if you really must fluff good and bad weapons and and stat them, I mean, for swords, it's got to be balance. Yeah, Despite the fact that there are advantages to you know front loaded you know front weighted weapons and there are advantages yeah. too having having a sharper edge is, is often the weapons. way that people will talk about a masterwork weapon it's really sharp it's not no. um the the primary thing that you use on a sword of any kind virtually any kind i'll caveat that um most european swords is the point the point is the thing that does the killing the the edge gets you in and out of trouble and causes injury the point is what kills people so um <clears throat> Well, if you work three feet of the point into someone and then wiggle it around a bit, that'll do it. <laughs> I mean, certainly in, in periods where people are wearing armor, which is almost every... Nope. Unarmored as well. Sword in the face. Almost every technique in German sword play ends with a sword in the face or the chest. The idea is to impale them. It's not to cut bits off them, it's to impale them. 
you don't know how they're going to react if you um, slice them across the arm. You know again, exactly how they're going to react but if again, you put your sword it, through their eye. Dueling. Yes. Because in a battlefield situation, the last thing you want is your sword stuck in somebody else's chest. True. Uh, but I, 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 I will carry everything I say. So what I do is not battlefield art. It is yeah. dueling art. Anyway. Um, so that's all of the questions. Oh, good. Oh, and it only took an, about an hour and a half to do a 10 minute set of questions. Jesus Christ. So and we do, a half, 10 minutes. Should we do 10 seconds of silence then and then some clicks and then we'll play noisy person cards for an hour? 10 seconds of silence. So. Do I need to set a minutes. timer? Because you it's not going to be 10 seconds. Fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, ready? So that was a useful stick on swords. I could talk about swords for hours, so if you have more questions or you would like to follow up on some of the points we raised here, please do get in touch at Swordnut Radio on Twitter, swordnutradio at gmail.com or you can get in touch on Facebook and submit your questions or if we've got something wrong you've got a point to make we're always happy to learn if you want to ask us questions about things that aren't swords or give us topics to talk about then let us know and we'll stick it on the list if you're a patron and you want us to talk about something we are damn well going to talk about that thing that's one of the perks of being a patron head on down to patreon.com search for swordnut radio and buy us a cup of coffee. No game credits on this episode, but the music was Grind by John Paul Jones. For those of you interested, the loop over the bloopers is a modified version of Reignition by Bad Brains.